Hello and welcome to Common Air, an exhibition companion for Het is auf Disdain and Spreken, Silence is a Commons at Costco Art Institute and aired on Stranded FM. The day is October 10th, 2019, and it's 2 o'clock. We're broadcasting live from Stranded FM in Utrecht. The weather is 15 degrees Celsius, and it's actually sunny today. My name is Stacy Boucher, and I'm a curator at Costco Art Institute working for the Commons. And your host for the next hour, or for however long we have the pleasure of having you tune in to the show. It is the autumn exhibition season at Costco, and we have on view Het is off to stain and spray in Silence is a Commons, featuring four solo shows of the distinguished artistic practices and languages by Bobby Badalov, Ansuya Blom, Alma Josephine Budge, and Mire Lee. Each artist presents forms of communication that transgress the norms and habits shaped by power and capital-driven media. Ultimately, they show us what language can and can't do. And with the exhibitions open for nearly a month now, there's still so much that we're learning from these artists. We've had a handful of student visits from, from various master's programs across the Netherlands, and many textured conversations that reveal the complexity of all the material that we're engaging with. From what it means to witness, silence and other immaterial resources that we have in common, and our daily lives of constant connectivity with each other and with an influx of abundant information. Last episode, we shared a visual description tour of the exhibitions. This is a means of access that we can also provide in a text document. So just send me an email at stacy at costco.art. That's Stacy with an I. Uh, I feel like this could be my slogan, perhaps, or um, written on my gravestone for the amount of times that I say this. But just kidding, I want to be cremated. Um, but in the last episode, I, I also got to have a conversation with Max, Max Casey, um, AKA Sloppy 40 Seconds from the Stranded FM community. And we talked about comparative literature, when language fails, about visual and lin linguistic grammars, and all sorts of other topics related to the exhibitions. I also answered, um, well, tried to answer some listener questions about the exhibitions, which was really fun to do. So thanks to all those who sent their questions. And for the future, everyone, please, pretty please, stir up that curiosity and send more questions. Okay, so in this episode, I'll be calling up each of the artists for a short conversation. I'm really excited about this and also extremely grateful for um, the fact that they have set uh, aside some time to be on the air with me and you, dear listener, uh, to reflect on their work at Costco since the exhibition opened last month. After that, I'll be talking with Irene Casarini from the Stranded FN community, which is also really exciting because she's super interesting and engaged and very talented. Um, side note, again, I want to share how wonderful it is to deepen the collaboration with Stranded FM in the season of Common Air. So a special shout out to Luke Conan, Cohen for helping make this happen, and I'm really happy now to call you a friend. All right, so I hope you are ready for more of that sentimentality because how I feel about these four artists is also very similar. Um, to focus on four solo shows for this exhibition has, a, has been a really generative experience uh, for all of us at Costco. 
And I believe that such a nice, nice relationships have been solidified from this, uh, this close attention to their work and life practice, and also for the opportunity to share Costco's as well. So in just a second, I'm going to call each of them for a little chat. Um, but before that, I just want to extend my thanks to all those who are tuning in and for taking the time out of their day to listen to this episode. Okay, so the first artist that we're going to call is Alma Josephine Butch. Uh, she's a writer, artist, and curator, and pleasure activist uh, based in London. Um, she's also a PhD candidate in uh, psychosocial studies. Um, and uh, her research takes a queer decolonial approach to challenging climate colonialism in sub-Saharan Africa with a particular focus on inherently environmentalist pleasure, pleasure practices in Ghana and Kenya. The experience of working with Alma is really centered around the old tree in Abraham Dolhoff, um, the courtyard where Costco is located in the museum quarter. And um, over many months, we had so much back and forth and sharing of research and so much attention to the details. Um, and also, as you could experience in Alma's writing, there are just so many rich, juicy, luscious details. Uh, it was an exciting collaboration to also envision together how the story would materialize uh, spatially for the exhibition. So this is just a brief introduction, and now I'm going to call up Alma on WhatsApp. Get ready, Alma. Okay, Alma. Yes. Oh my Hi. gosh, thank you so much Hello. for being patient for that. And also, okay. <laughs> well, you're on the air. And thanks, listeners, for also um, being patient with us figuring out these technical difficulties. But did you uh, get to hear my introduction to you? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Well, I just gave some background about um, who you are and that you're based in London and um, what you're up to with your PhD. And then I also mm -hmm. described a little bit about the process of working with you and um, just how generative and um, really inspiring it was for me and, and the rest of the Costco team to really work so closely with you and so attentively around the tree in the courtyard. Um, so, and yeah, and I also wanna say too, I'm a just, uh, I really learned another layer of access intimacy with you. And um, yeah, that was, I haven't told you that yet, but I just wanted to thank you um, for this really amazing kind of communication that we've been able to have long distance. Yeah, I would absolutely <laughs> echo that. I, you, I suppose you can't hear this. I have a very large smile on my face. <laughs> um, I think it's it's been an incredibly I agree. It's been it's been an intimate it's been an intimate process. It's been a collaborative process. We've very much developed a kind of relationship. I feel over the last few months and a relationship of of trust, and that's really massive for me, especially working with somebody I've never met, right. um, yeah. many miles away, yeah. and kind of birthing this project together, um, which touches on so many areas of, of contemporary and historical trauma as well as possibility um, and I think the opportunity for empowerment and reclamation but um, it's something that I certainly couldn't have realized without 
having such a, a, a virulent space of, of creation, um, which Casco and you in particular really fostered. Mm. So I'm very, very grateful um, for this wonderful, uh, what did we call it? Thought sex that we've been having <laughs> yeah, over the cre- past uh, several creative months. Sex. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really grateful for that too. And um, so, I mean, it was many, many months of of deepening the story that you created uh, for the exhibition, which mm-hmm. is a speculative fiction work that also materialized very concretely in the space of Costco. And um, also for the opening, you, uh, during your artist presentation, uh, you did a very incre- incredible performative uh, ritual. Um, could mm-hmm. you describe a little bit about how that went for you know, for people that weren't there. Yeah, so I wanted to, I mean, as you said, that there is the incredible tree, um, which is outside of the Casco building, who had also been my other kind of long-term, long-distance collaborator. Mm. And I really wanted to honor the, the contribution that the tree had offered and also that it had offered itself up as a kind of site of memory and re-remembering re- 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 and mm-hmm. healing and to kind of not take for granted that offering. And, and I think that a lot of the ways in which we, re- we relate to the non-human um, end up being very extractive and very assumptive and um, really, really, mm-hmm. really taking for granted that the non-human life around us is consenting to being sites mm-hmm. of our uh, pain or um, production. So I yeah, wanted to yeah. really, really honor uh, that tree and also bring it bring it into presence for everyone who's there. Because, of course, many people don't walk through the world um, greeting the plants as they come in the house <laughs> right, <laughs> the way that right. I do. Um, <laughs> So yeah. I, I really just kind of invoked um, all of our ancestors who uh, come from so many different places, and, and there was a really, a really kind of transoceanic crowd as well at the opening. So I felt like mm. we really had a kind of global presence of ancestors, and we, um, I wanted to think a lot about entitlement and to bring that into the space as well. So right. I asked everybody to think about. Um, an intersection of their identity which uh, made them entitled and privileged Mm. Um, so I gave the example of having a British passport and that meaning that I can move fairly freely through most of the world without being uh, questioned or having my status as uh, a human and deserving of human rights questioned Mm. at borders um, largely because of that that colonial um, imperial passport and then I asked everybody to uh, think of a person or a community or a group or a form of life that was suffering because of that um, form of entitlement. And to, in that moment, make a pledge that at the next possible opportunity where that violence can be um, prohibited or stood up to, that they mm. make a pledge to that personal community or life form to do so. And we yeah, seal amazing. that promise with um, cedar cedarwood oil that we place on our palms. And, and that was really beautiful. It was quite a kind of um, spontaneous 
part of the ritual um, that I'd thought of just that morning. Right. Uh, but it was really beautiful having the process of going around and placing the cedar oil on everybody's palms and meeting every single person, especially the, the very young people who were there who really enjoyed it. And everybody rubbed their palms together and inhaled the cedar wood oil and then right. placed their hands on the tree to kind of seal that promise and mm. give that offering also um, in gratitude for all that the tree had had offered and has offered over over the centuries it's it's been there right right i i think that um the way in which you activated the piece uh, the story that you've created by doing this um performative presentation and and real engagement with people i think it really resonated with everyone and um you know kind of set it off for for also people understanding um the character in the story, Zura, who um, is really uh, navigating like wh what it means to have agency in, in a situation mm -hmm. where you have very little of it, or like what power are you able to exercise um, mm -hmm. when it's yeah. uh, um, uh, being so challenged. And, um, you know, I wanted to tell you, since the opening, it's actually been raining so much here. Um, and so yeah. I want to yeah. just make sure to to talk with you about this, of, of just really, uh, since there's so many layers to the story, um, could you explain like how water uh, is engaged with in the story and also how Zura is related to it as well as the tree? Because now the tree is very, all the plants here are very uh, um, nourished, let's say, from how much it's been raining. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, yes, definitely. Uh, I... I suppose there is relationship with water. It begins, so she's from northern Ghana, mm -hmm. um, around the Moli region in northern Ghana, which is essentially the closest that we come in Ghana to desert. Um, it's very influenced by the Hamatan, which is a very dry wind that blows off the Sahara. It's incredibly dry um, when you step out of a car. If you're in an air-conditioned car in the Moli region and you step out of the car, your lips are likely to kind of crack mm. upon impact with the environment it's incredibly uh, hostile to people who don't know how to live there and also just to people generally because it's becoming increasingly um dry as as climate change means that drought is mm. uh, passing outwards of the equator across the global south mm. so she has this interesting relationship with water because um at the time when she is kidnapped which is stolen from from ghana or what is now Ghana, mm -hmm. there has been a long drought. And um, when she arrives, of course, crossing over the ocean and has this huge contrast of coming from a desert landscape through bushlands mm. to the coast of what is now Elmina um, and departing on a merchant ship to the Netherlands. So she has this uh, shock of... A, a, a liquid desert, I suppose, right. um, a very different kind of desert and equally hostile to those that don't know how to, to live there. Mm. Um, and then arriving in the Netherlands and, and experiencing extreme dampness mm. is, is her real, her real um, engagement with this also abundant, excessive use of fresh water. She sees fountains for the first time, bird baths, um, 
baths where one might get into a bath and cover themselves in water, which is something that she hasn't encountered before. And also just the damp that the, the very walls around her have absorbed um, massive amounts of water and, and produced a kind of black rock rot. And so there's this, mm. this kind of rotting, excessive... Um, manipulation i suppose of water through the way that she experiences um dampness and coldness in the netherlands and this kind of odd idea that it's somehow been stolen from the desert the, the amount of water that has been stolen from her desert and the way that she's been stolen from it and so she yeah. has this very um sensual relationship with the water because it also becomes something that she Similarly to, you know, when she's trying to kind of engage with having a, a possibility of agency in this white supremacist, um, very early Netherlands society and in this all-female community, the point for me, I suppose, in, in writing the story, what kept coming out was that there is no winning. And mm. that's something that any person who goes through extreme societal oppression will experience every day you know there are small wins right. but generally in the larger scheme of things it's it's really about managing <laughs> managing the losses yeah, um, yeah. Often it can feel that way so it's really you know what happens when when there is no happy ending on on the table and so her relationship with water becomes very it becomes very much about that and mm. she becomes aware of of the waters moving through her as something ancestral and something right. that's going to go on beyond her life um and the the water and the blood that kind of also saturates the I suppose the roots of the story right. um, become ways in which the water continues to move throughout all of us. Right. Well, yeah, this uh, is also what you're engaging with and um, just your ongoing work of climate colonialism and your different um, ways of working with it as a writer, artist, curator. Um, and you are coming uh, back here for the Costco assembly um, which is very yeah. much engaging with... Um, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, later in the episode, I'll talk a little bit more about the assembly. But um, so, but for now, I just want to thank you so much, Alma, for talking with us and sharing this little tidbit. And I just have uh, two more questions from listeners, actually. But it'll have to be mm -hmm. a little bit lightning round. Is that yes, okay? Yes, Okay, yeah. well, so Bart asks... Um, uh, could you speak a little bit more about your long distance relationship with the tree in the courtyard? Yeah. Like how maybe what that was like to, to look at it. And then, um, yeah. And then I'll ask you the other question after. Okay. Um, that's a question that I think you can also answer because you yeah. are kind of unicorn <laughs> in our, in our relationship. Um, if you don't know what that means, uh, look it up on Urban Dictionary. Um, and you really facilitated that, you know, you'd send me kind of daily or weekly updates and pictures and voice notes. Yeah. And in that way, I felt that the tree was really present in my creating process. Yeah. But also, I think it was quite um, spiritual, for want of a better word. I spent a lot of time meditating on the image of the tree, the story of the tree. Mm. Um, I thought a lot about trees that I have um, I have photographs of that a friend of mine took in the Moli region. Mm. And they, they became very, um, it was in my dreams, I suppose. Yeah. And the story felt like it, it came through me. And the tree was a, a massive part of, of um, conducting that. 
Great. So uh, G also asks, uh, this is a good question for the ar other artists too, but um, what is your greatest love outside of art? This <laughs> <laughs> could be a hard one, but it's uh, also a really good my one. My greatest love mm. outside of art. <laughs> I mean, I suppose language counts as art. Yes. It would have been language. I'm maybe going to be um, incredibly... Uh, predictable here and Ooh. say the relationship that I'm in um, which continues to surprise mm. me every day and offers an incredible uh, place of safety and belief mm. in, in one another which I think fuels the art in a way that um, that I've never experienced before. I think the, the romantic idea that you have to be broken and miserable and in kind of topsy-turvy, toxic, dramatic relationships <laughs> to make great art can be true, but I think it can also come out of a space which gives me faith for humanity even mm. being a part of the futures that I imagine. Oh my and gosh. I found that in my amazing relationship. So no, that, um, that's incredible. I <laughs> and I think that we could talk more about your pleasure activism too, and maybe how that can also yeah. relate. Um, so come to uh, the assembly and we'll talk yeah, pleasure all day yeah okay Alma thank you so much and I can't wait to see you again thank you Stacey yeah, me too take okay. care love alright bye bye okay thank you Alma and so now we are going to call on Suya um, she just messaged and said that she can't uh, uh, hear us on the on the uh, stranded FM stream but um, let's see. But anyways, I'm going to um, uh, call Ansuya in just a moment. Um, Ansuya is an artist that is based in Amsterdam, um, has uh, numerous decades of um, artistic practice that expands uh, drawing, painting, collage, film, sculpture, installation, and it's just really a fantastic uh, uh, artist and thinker that um, really enriched um, multiple studio visits that the Costco team was able to have with her since May. And over that period of time, and this I explained in the last episode, um, uh, that's how we were able to look at um, her, her work and see um, the connections and the complexity and um, and decide what we would show for the exhibition at Costco. So this is just a little tiny introduction here. And now I'm going to give her a call. Hi, Stacy. Hello, Ansuya. <laughs> Hello, Stacey. Hi, nice to hear hey. you. Hey, well, you're on the air, and I'm so happy that you're able to call today with us on Suya. Um, oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. Were you, were you saying that um, you, you couldn't hear the radio? We're, we're troubleshooting yes, that, but I just gave you a little introduction. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and just, um, um, you know, saying that uh, you're based in Amsterdam and... Yeah just about um, the different kinds of work that you make and, and different yeah. materials that you work with yeah. and across the many decades that through the many um, studio visits that the Costco team got to have with you over the past months, that was really yeah. our way of going in and 
exploring um, the different connections and what we would show yeah. in the exhibition at Costco. Yes. So, yes. so yeah, I, and it's been about a month now uh, since the exhibition opened. Really? It has, has a time. <laughs> my God, time's flying. Jeez. I know, I know. Yeah. I mean, in the last episode on Suya, I was, I don't know, I, this could be a little embarrassing, but someone, <laughs> someone asked me what was uh, my favorite part about working on the exhibitions. Yeah. And I really was like, okay, first, uh, there's many favorites. Yeah. But really, um, the uh, closeness that we got to have with you um, is really one of my favorite aspects to this. Yeah. And also, and I was like, Ansuya Blom is a, is a legend, you know? And I, <laughs> and well. I, think, uh, I think many people <laughs> think that um, in this artistic uh, uh, cultural scene that we're in, in the Netherlands. And, and um, yeah, it's just because you've also had decades of, of engagement and different relations and different yeah. ideas that you've been moving throughout. You know, we had about a real intense few months building up to the exhibition. I just wanted yes. to check in with you of like any reflections that you have or thoughts that are coming up for you since the exhibition has opened. Well, one of the things, um, there's two things really, that beforehand I didn't know who, when you asked me, both you and Binna invited me to, to do the show, I had no mm. idea who the other artist would be. Mm. And I later, later I, I remembered thinking, well, normally I would ask. But there was something about the studio visits that was so, um, I mean, good sounds too flat, but it was just very good for me that it was content, so clearly content driven, that I just simply trusted it. And then to see my fellow mm. um, partners in crime, right. <laughs> that's, that was really, really nice, really. I'm, I'm a very good company. Mm. And um, the other thing, the main and the big thing is that indeed, like you said, our um, studio visits that we've had, and I think all in all, I don't know, there were four or five. Um, it was also for me a journey within my own work mm. because, like you said, I mean, I've been working since 78. So it's, it's quite a number of years. And then to make a selection out of that which makes sense, of course, takes time. And right. um, so I was, I was very happy that you weren't being pragmatic just you know just simply size-wise i mean you know there's all sorts of things one can do that have nothing mm -hmm. to do with making uh, a good selection but the experience was very for me very positive extremely positive it's all i can say yeah thank you Ansu. yeah yeah no i mean it yes yeah <laughs> i mean it too i mean but it's also it's quite fascinating that the temporalities of working and this is something yeah. that we talked about of like when you are working closely with a, an idea or a figure yeah. or a material yeah. for a certain amount of time with great intensity, um, I, there's just something from one of our studio visits that, you know, it stayed with me of, um, of when is enough enough? Like when, you know, this, this kind of, okay, I'm going to close off this, um, yes. this body yeah. of work, this series. And yeah, uh, may, maybe if you can, expand on how you think about that? Because I'm thinking also in my experience of working on an exhibition, once yeah. it opens and then you're like, wait, that wasn't enough. I want to, yeah. I want to keep going, you know? And, yeah. and yeah. so, yeah. Yes, I've had that with several figures. I mean, I have, I, I have company in my studio uh, mm. through the, the artists, the, 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 well, the, the artists or writers um, that I look at. And, um, uh, you know, not literally, but of course through their works. 
and they can be anything from uh, uh, Aeschylus to um, Janis Joplin. I mean, just you know, just to go from from history to now, relatively now, and right. it's 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 a very odd thing. Sometimes you think you're done, and then um, something kind of, and it can be after a couple of years, something starts nagging, and yeah. um, oftentimes it's also to do with what's going on perhaps in the world as much as what's happening to me within the world, right. that I have certain concerns, and then this uh, particular artist or writer, often it's writers, will... Um, puzzle me it's more it's, it's mostly out of puzzlement po um, positive and negative so i can get mm -hmm. irritated though if i'm getting too irritated i don't want to continue working on on a subject but more right. often it's just an, a question that i have about someone uh, like Casper hauser i've made quite a number of works about so it's it's a way of trying to understand i suppose what is what that person stands for, what it mm. is for me. Right. And um, yes, that's what I could say. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Ansuya, there's a, a, a listener has a question. There's, there's yeah. two questions. Um, but Sarah asks about um, the names in the titles of the works, a Portrait yeah. of Susanna U. Yeah. Um, and Fragments, Ellen yeah. Vey. V or d yeah. W, w, yeah. W. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, the, she's just asking, uh, who, who are these, these figures? And yeah. 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 yeah a, a nice question. Yes. They are, I can imagine that people start to think, what is it? But mm. um, they are um, patients um, from the, from the fifties. They were treated by Ludwig Binslanger, who was a, a, a German, I thought, oh, maybe was he Swiss, but anyway, a German, a psychoanalyst who treated um, a number of patients and he wrote case studies mm. and um, their names were um, uh, abbreviated let's say um, you never knew the surname out of privacy uh, reasons right but um, but and i just i so i wanted to in a way protect their identity for for their sake even mm -hmm. though i don't think they're alive anymore at the same time i just wanted to bring them to life in the sense of Having their words heard, or their yeah, the notion of who they were to get to that to the fore, rather than the the, the psychiatric report of the psychiatrist. Right. Right. If that um, answers the question, I don't know. Yeah, no. This is uh, this is a great answer. Um, something that I've um, bumped into in the past month yeah. is that when I start to talk about those works. Yeah, you know, I can start talking about yeah. them in terms of the description and you know visually and, and materials, and then I often find, and this is the maybe like didactic part of me, is I also start sharing this kind of information, you know, of the okay the patients, and then also about this, yeah. the power dynamic, you know. But what what I've learned from these works is uh, I'm, I'm now trying to not explain that, you know, that kind yeah, of information yeah. that I have. Yeah, and I think yeah. that this is something that you, you know, would respect that. Yes, yeah, certainly, just, um, certainly. just to show instead materially and, and visually in the ways in which you're working uh, with the materials that it's a kind of mental process of, of feelings. Yes. And then putting kind of different materials together to show perhaps like, um, 
different sides of the same coin. Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's really nice what you're saying. Yes, I appreciate it very much. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know, it's it's a funny thing. It's I mean, it's the way affect works. You know, how do we feel or experience something? And of course, I mean, I don't totally have that in hand. Otherwise, it would be kitsch. But you can right. hope that through materials, something gets comes to the fore. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So yes, thank you for that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> This is something something I've learned here. But yeah. um, so yeah. Ansuya, we uh, uh, it's a uh, really lightning rounds now. But I I just want to ask one one more question from a yeah. listener, G. Um, what is your greatest love outside of art? What would you say? Ah, uh, I suppose <laughs> am I great at this very moment? Is um, I won't say the name of the, of the mountain, but there's there is a mountain in France, mm. um, and it's it's something private that I'm now sharing. But since I still yeah. knows where it is, it's okay. <laughs> Just being 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 in nature, and when it's and I, and listen to, in a way, to nothing. In, in, mm. in and in that I mean, there's a lot to hear, but you don't. It's not spectacular initially, but right. um, I would say that that is. Um, uh, at this very moment, I would love to be there. I mean, not now, but uh, I'm enjoying right. our talk, but <laughs> in general, in this space of time. <laughs> I totally understand what you mean, also about yes. the, the power of mountains. Yeah, yeah, yes. Okay, you well, thank you so much, and um, looking Pleasure. forward to seeing you again, and thanks for taking this call. Thank you, and, and, and thank you, and um, see you soon. Okay, bye, Ansuya. Bye, bye. Okay, so... We're really flying through this, but I just wanted to ask you, um, is it okay that we go over a little bit of the, yeah, since uh, we had the technical difficulties in the beginning. Okay. Well, so now I'm uh, also really excited to, we have two more artists to go. And this is really, it makes me think of that show, uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Where you call some, you know, call a lifeline and it's ring, ring. To ask for help. Yeah, yeah, and so, um, yeah, I'm really excited about um, uh, who we're going to call next. Um, Mire Lee, she's based in Amsterdam. She's a resident at the Rijks Academy. And um, this is also a really fascinating experience of multiple studio visits to uncover and learn and understand exactly you know, how we, we could share Mire's practice within the space at Costco. And so uh, she definitely considered the space in terms of a, an installation, but also, as I understand it, there, there were a few material experimentations um, of trying to work through a few different ideas. So let's give her a call now. Hi, Mire. Hi. Hi. You are on the air. You're on common air, Mire. I, uh, yeah, I was watching <laughs> you. Are you able to listen right now? Um, yeah, on our Facebook page only. I think I, I've also failed at the Stranded FM. Um, oh, okay, okay. Is it is it possible that you could just speak up a little bit more? I think maybe the, um, the connection is huh. not so strong. Is it okay? Oh, can you hear me? Maybe with the, 
Mire? Uh-oh, maybe it's on mute. Uh, we can't uh, we can't hear you, Mire. Maybe I'll call you back. Oh, wait. Oh, no, no, I hear you now. Oh, okay, great. Hey. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> hey, Mire. Um, th hey. Thanks so much for taking the call. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is a wild episode because I, I'm encountering uh, internet, uh, uh, just technical difficulties and trying to play it cool. But anyways, really excited to talk with you. We talked with Amma and Ansuya and... Um, yeah, I just described very briefly, you know, introducing you and your work and, um, you know, in the last episode of Common Air, we also had a, a visual description tour. So right. describing, describing your work and also, you know, uh, for those who have already seen the exhibition and the images that we have available online. Um, so there's an understanding, perhaps, uh, you know, of, of your practice, but I would say for sure that at Costco, we are, you know, swimming around in the glycerin and the kinetic uh, machinery of your practice and the tissues and the, the fragile materials. So, um, so yeah, I just wanted to check in with you of, uh, you know, it's been a month now since the exhibition opened. And if you yes. have any reflections that you want to share, uh, you know, working on, on this installation in particular or anything that's kind of come to you. Um, just for me, the strongest bit was um, working with people from the Costco. Yeah. Um, and also being able to, um, yeah, next, like be presented next to other artists was, yeah, the strongest part for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the opening and talk, and um, I felt very um, at home. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I feel very accepted and um, natural. So that part I normally um, rarely have somehow. Uh. <laughs> wow, I mean, well, that's that's really amazing that you were able to experience that with us, really. Um, yeah, the talk was, uh, the artist talk was, um, I felt really, I don't know, very um, like almost a bit moved afterwards because uh, um, I mean, it wasn't like I'm not a smooth talker, so the talk also wasn't very, very smooth. Um, mm. But um, yeah, um, yeah, I felt very accepted. No, I, I thought it, I thought it was smooth. I mean, also okay. you you read a poem, you know, yeah. which was yeah. I mean, we've we said it a few times that it's quite related to the work, but you know, it's not so related. It's more of it's been this kind of literary object for you that has been in your mind right, yeah. during the time that you were preparing for the exhibition. So sure. I think that was really amazing to share that uh, during the opening. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I wanted to ask too, because the, um, sure. the sculptural object, you know, the kind of limb-like object uh, that's in, in your show, that's you know pumping up the glycerin and kind of oozing it out. Um, you were explaining how this is kind of something new that you're okay. working with. Like, how do you f how do you feel that that has gone, or are you going to continue uh, uh, working yes. with this? I'm um, developing some more works, um, essentially using the same technique, uh -huh. um, but like in yeah different. Um, with just with different materials and mm. um, so something like 
pumping in through the body of a sculptor and uh, yeah, the sculpture let the liquid out, like ooze out, is the basic mechanism I'm working on right now. And uh, um, the sculpture in, uh, in the casco now is like, uh, it's sort of like a torso shape, also like, um, um, it is a torso shape, like I body casted my friends um, um, back and chest and then put them together into oh, right. a, okay, a, yeah. a abstract shape. And then now I'm, the works that I'm working on now is more like um, or, organ shape uh, than both would have a very similar feature. Oh, yeah. And this also relates to, I mean, it's it's bringing up for me the way in which Ansuya uses and incorporates organs into some of her past yes. work, and uh, the really nice overlaps between the two of you, and also spatially in the exhibition that you're so near each other. Um, yes, but oh, so such really different. Um, yeah, yeah, such different artistic languages that. Um, mm. Um, with though both of you, I really think that you you point to a lot of like what cannot be spoken, you right. know, and and such different material ways of engaging that it's really beautiful to see side by side. Yeah, and so yes, drawing like the the organs on the bed was like um, yeah, it really struck me because uh, mm -hmm. it wasn't exactly the image um, imagery I had um, like very specifically in my head, but I felt like. It was like an incarnation of what I was just uh, um, imagining or feeling right. inside. Yeah. Ah. Well, so Mire, we don't have so much time, but I have this really amazing question from G, which right. also shout out to G for the really great questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but so she says, uh, your work is tactile, wet, sexy even. I was wondering <laughs> if you could talk about the role death plays in your work, or if it doesn't. Role of death. Do you feel there is a link between sex and death? Um, yeah, usually. Uh, this is G's question. It's very, uh, um, yeah, but like I shouldn't make the answer too long. <laughs> okay, uh, but okay, um, a large part of the drive, I think, uh, mm -hmm. when I like make art, but like not really only art. Um, yeah, when I engage in anything that is like uh, meant to be creative or productive, uh, I think a large part of those stems from like my extreme fear towards death. I, I have like a very serious death phobia almost. Wow. Um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, it's just, I'm very, I'm just a bit amazed that she asked that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, maybe later on, um, you, G, and I can have a conversation about that, too. That would be really interesting. Right. Um, but, uh, okay, so gotta run because we have to call Bobby, <laughs> but Mire, so, so grateful that you took this call <laughs> and that you could be on the episode with us, and, okay. and really nice to hear you, and just, uh, yeah, just looking forward to seeing what you do next. Of course. Um, thank you for having me. Okay. Yeah, of course. Okay, bye, Mire. Okay, bye. All right, so we're going to extend the episode for just a little bit longer because we also have um, a really amazing guest here live with us. So um, we're just going to call up Bobby and uh, that way I can um, 
share with you the, the fourth artist of this amazing constellation of people. Um, Bobby is an artist in Paris, and um, really his visual poetry is a practice that's defined by crossing borders and language. Um, he was able to come to Costco for about 10 days, so he worked on the installation there. And um, uh, yeah, let's just call him up now and see uh, uh, his other, uh, whatever else he has to say. Let's see. Okay. Hello. Hi, Bobby. Hi. Hey, Bobby, you're, you're on the air. Yes, but I can't see you. you oh, it's, uh, we're on FaceTime audio. I should, uh, okay, I, I click, yes. Yeah, yeah, it, oh. Okay. So, ah, oh, yes, hey, hello. yeah, it's easier to talk like this. Nice to so, see you. Um, so you're on the air. Uh, welcome to Common Air. This is our, our radio show that we have that's, we're, we call it Exhibition Companion. So um, we don't have so much time to talk, but it would just be so nice to hear from you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, now the exhibition at Costco has been open for one month, and I just want to yeah. hear from you if you have any reflections or uh, anything that's resonating for you since uh, being here. Um, I think I have uh, very much uh, experience and I, I, I was uh, see uh, many uh, new uh, things like like new platform. For mm. me, it was like very surprised that um, what I do art and uh, like dialogue with uh, with uh, uh, my thinking of uh, world politics, uh, uh, my social, my uh, my my exile artist life. But mm -hmm. uh, in uh, Casco, I was just directly, I see that I can easily dialogue because uh, what in Casco, I see, uh, I, uh, I have exhibition, it was like, uh, it was like uh, we are very easily uh, understand, we are together, we are, we are mobilized, we are, we are working on uh, on uh, we are on common. We we see problem. We think. We react. We think. Uh, we are. It was just excellent. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Bobby. It was for us too. Um, and you know, we don't have so much time to chat, which is uh, just unfortunate because it's always nice to talk with you for a longer yes. period of time, but. There's a there's someone that asked a listener Lucy that wanted to know since in the exhibition at Costco it's you know it's site specific to Costco right but uh, you also brought what you call diary collages with you from your first year or so in Paris so Lucy wanted to know did you make any diary collages in Utrecht and could you describe one. In what? Did you, did you, uh, do you think that you did, made did any? Did I make some? Yeah, diary collages here, or what that, what that means to you? In, in Utrecht, mm -hmm. yes, I have some uh, pages uh, of my 
my notebook because my notebook uh, is uh, is my visual diary also i mm. don't uh, usually write that i am uh, what i do like you know what i meet someone but i focus on what i see and uh, uh, what can uh, uh, bring, keep me memory and with Utrecht and with uh, what can uh, associate. Uh, but my visual diary, uh, which I show there, it is, was like very much about my uh, just a newcomer, asylum seeker, and I don't um, speak uh, French and uh, I right. don't. Paris and I, I have a, of of myth Paris and I see different Paris and it was like this complex diary like I what I see like um, of a capitalist uh, consumerism victim mm. would suffer of uh, struggles um, and uh, my interest and uh, so. Uh, it was uh, um, yes. I I do visual diary always because I call them collage diary. Uh, I think the diary is not a, a text or not a planning. Right. Uh, and you also pick up a lot of different kinds of scrap pieces of paper on the ground in the street. It's a kind of representation of your wherever you are. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I am uh, first a visual artist, some uh, or diary writer, or, mm. or like academic uh, uh, philosopher. I like uh, always uh, maximally um, talk visually, share my. But uh, we see we live in time. Uh, visuality is uh, it's not enough. We have to uh, speak, we have to scream, we have to write, yeah. uh, because la language is more common and uh, language is more faster. And hmm. the, uh, if you don't understand, you can translate. Visuality is become more, uh, uh, it's like myth and uh, more uh, diagram, which no one yeah. can understand. Good, not for everyone. Right. Well, Bobby, I really want to talk to you for much longer, but um, our radio show yeah. is almost up, so we we got to yes. go. But, Bobby, thank you so much, and I miss you. All of us at Costco miss you. Thank you very much. I still the uh, impression with Costco. I very love all Costco. <laughs> Thanks, and I have great time, great experience. I wish all my exhibition uh, become <laughs> like in Casco, like dialogue and more real without any of uh, me for pathos and yeah. just uh, together. I'm very happy uh, for my exhibition. And thank you very much. Yeah, you thanks, know. Bobby. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye. Okay, so. Thank you so much, Alma, Ansuya, Mide, and Bobby. That was really special to be able to talk to you and uh, 
I apologize for all of the technical difficulties, and I also wonder how much time we have left. Uh, I think uh, maybe 10 minutes or something. Okay, okay, great, because I'm I'm really excited that we have uh, Irene. Am I, can you tell me <laughs> how to actually pronounce your name? Um, yeah, my name is Italian, <laughs> I guess. Uh, it's called, I mean, it's pronounced Irene, but a lot of people call me other ways. Uh, yeah, when I say Irene, it just doesn't... Uh, Sounds very, yeah, American, but that's, it doesn't really that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but um, so this is, um, yeah, with the last episode we got to... Uh, Max and I got to speak, mm -hmm. and uh, like I said before, it's really amazing to be able to meet you and Max, and then also develop further with Luke, and yeah, that um, I I get to learn about the stranded community and what you all are doing, which each of your um, monikers, the different names that you go under, and the the programs that you do all have very different kind of uh, well music, but also different affect and different sort of thing. So yeah. could you just explain a, l a little bit about your background? So I'm mainly a music producer and uh, then I got into DJing um, not very long ago actually. But yeah, music has always kind of been um, like a way to express like, uh, yeah, just, you know, I had the urgency to express myself and I, th I thought music would be a good way to do that and um, mm. so yeah mainly I graduated in uh, electroacoustic music composition mm. which sounds very fancy but it's, it's it does sound fancy yeah it does sound it fancy no yeah <laughs> it's just mainly music production kind of technical stuff but also yeah it can be very creative when you find your own way to communicate yeah um, I recently went to the Museum of Musical Instruments in Brussels and it's nice. amazing if you haven't been there. I learned yeah. so much, especially there's this one level of the exhibition that's just dedicated to the keyboard. Wow, So yeah, like early pianos incredible. all the way to today. Anyways, I wanted to tell you that. But um, also, what is the name of your show that you do here? Or it's just your name that you go under when you're performing? Uh, no, my show is called Sound Ex Extremism. Okay. Uh, ah. And it's kind of the music side of this web platform that I have that it's called art extremism and it's this concept that I have of taking of considering art as a form of radicalism in a society where you know conformism and capitalism are kind of uh, crushing us and yeah, are absolutely. dehumanizing us in a way so um, I just like the concept of being extreme in a way mm -hmm. extra is, is also an amazing yeah uh, attitude yeah, I, I, I'm very fascinated by it. And um, yeah, so I had this web platform where I collect art, um, like manifestos about identity and um, I would say related to cyber feminism as well. Right. And then I wanted to have a music, um, yeah, a music part within this platform. And then I, I thought, okay, well, the radio show would be like a great uh, space for me to do that. Yeah. Great. So yeah, that's. And um, so I also understand in like conversations that we've had um, already, of um, your your work and interest and advocacy for representing marginalized people within this music scene, which we can still say is largely um, dominated a very cis white male yeah. um, scene. 
uh, especially the ones in the highest positions or the most famous or yeah, et cetera. And um, could you explain a little bit about what you do and how you do that? Yeah, sure. So I think two years ago I, uh, I moved to Sweden and being there really opened my eyes uh, about uh, the fact that I've been exposed to a lot of sexism in uh, academic world, but also just being, for example, a sound technician that is, you know, also everything that it has to do with technology is really male dominated. Yeah. And it made me really uh, question, you know, like how can we make music and music education as well more inclusive. Mm -hmm. um, so then I started researching about queer uh, theories and uh, yeah, also being queer myself and just uh, trying to bring those, um, yeah, that urgency to be a bit more political into what I play actually. So like yeah. selecting some type of artist uh, and trying to be just more aware of, uh, you know, if you have the space to expose someone, uh, yeah just like selecting the artists that you want to, um, yeah, push and support. Exactly, like how to distribute those resources yeah. and space and time to, to different people. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so crucial, and it's not just about this kind of representation, but it's like structurally how these people are taking up space in these occupations and activities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I and think the, yeah. the most important thing is that when you have a space or when you have the opportunity to have your voice listen, those are the places where you should, you know, yeah. s stand up and be okay. Like, it's more important for me to not play my own music, but just maybe to show some yeah. other artists that are marginalized or are not, or d don't have the same platform as I do. Yeah. You know, in this, what I was thinking about um, before coming here, um, is that we were talking a lot about like what does it mean to uh, have a voice and to speak and maybe it's not just about that like who's who's doing uh, well it's a, it's about who's doing the speaking but not exactly just the speaking part about it's about the listening part yeah yeah that's you know being being heard being listened to yeah. because um, that's the the issue like the dissemination of these different kinds of media, it's about who's like also listening. Yeah, yeah. Not only who's in that lineup, but who's also in that space, because that's an issue I think that we have with diversity politics nowadays. Is like we can start thinking about, you know, div diversifying the lineup, but then yeah. what does it mean about that space if it's just like not that, um, yeah, you know, it's reflective? Really complex, yeah, yeah. You know, to f find that intersectionality of the space and the people who are running the place right. and the artists involved. It's, it's really complicated, but I think the most important uh, element is just not to be silent if you, if you mm. can always mm -hmm. try to speak up. Because mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think we can't really afford silence because there is so much more to do. And um, yeah. yeah, I guess having a voice and I put mm. that in quotes because right. I, I'm not like a huge artist or anything, but uh -huh. it really made me realize how privileged I am and how mm. I should really use those spaces to communicate something and to kind of try to bring people with me in a way. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, people from queer communities or non-binary artists or whatever, just, you know, not to do that by yourself, but just 
including other mm. people who might be in, the, in in your same situation or might have been through the same thing you have been through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's adding a whole other layer to with the exhibitions at Costco, how we were thinking about silence yeah. as a commons or like what that what that means. So I know that's going to be like food food for thought to actually just think of like no, no silence. I mean what what does that what does that mean for us? Yeah. Or who's who are the ones being silent and who yeah. are the ones Yeah, and if you break uh, yeah. the silence, what kind of silence is being broken? Like uh, yeah. what's the consequence? Yeah, I think silence is uh, it's at so many faces to it. Yeah. yeah. It's it's really interesting. I think coming from a music production side, uh, silence is always seen as a negative thing in music. Yeah. But I guess generally in art is seen as a kind of very like a spiritual moment or something like meditative. Mm. So um, it's really interesting how many perspective you can take on on silence. Yeah. And I, it was really interesting to see in the exhibition also all the different spaces that the artist uh, took in mm. a way mm -hmm. in in the room, like spatially was I think it was really interesting. Yeah. Wow. I mean, do you do you have a favorite um, from the exhibition um, that you would say? I really liked both the, the the story where you had to put the headphones on and just be right. there for five or ten minutes, just like to get into it. That was like right. Really that's uh, from from Alma just from Alma, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I guess I think my favorite was the one from Mira Lee because mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like those kind of sculptures that seems like limbs, uh, mm -hmm. and they look so miserable in a way, but also very. Um, shiny and beautiful and there is this noise from the motors right. uh, always going on there's like perpetual movement i think yeah. it was extremely uh yeah just was really incredible to just sit there and look at it and mm. it's really static but also always moving in a way with like mm -hmm. the liquids and the fluids um on the floor yeah right so that was my personal favorite yeah yeah amazing um well so is there anything that you you want to play uh, that you picked out or kind of makes sense with some of the themes that we've engaged with or talked about with um, the exhibition? Yeah, sure. Uh, there is this one song by this producer, Swedish producer called Peder Mannerfeld, and he mm. has this song that is called Limits to Growth, and it's it it's a kind of uh, music take on capitalism and how oh, wow. it is. 